welcome back to the Outer Towers podcast. I'm Steve. I'm Simon. And I'd like to introduce a special host this week, uh, providing a Mancunian perspective on things. Danny, welcome, Dan. Good afternoon. And I think we'll get straight into a fairly controversial uh, week in football, and we'll look at, I think, a few interesting refereeing calls. There's been a few. Uh, a few that, well, I think one of which we agree with completely on, yeah. and another that there's a few differing opinions, aren't there? Yeah, should we start with the one we agree with. Yeah, so the Dwight with. Gale, the wonderful, I say wonderful Dwight Gale, because it, it, it did its job, didn't it? it? It deceived the referee. I mean, we called an episode a few weeks ago the Tom Daly special, or at least in the description, but <laughs> this sort of like takes a biscuit, it was a, doesn't it? It was a bad, when I say a bad dive, it was an obvious dive that shouldn't have um, deceived the official, and that's why he's been retrospectively charged, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it's something like that, that, you can see why VAR is it's around. Need, it's needed. Yeah. It's needed. Um, because if you'd have just had one glimpse of a different camera angle to that, you'd have instantly seen... Well, it was. it's cost Nottingham Forest two points, hasn't it? Yeah, it's at the end of the day, it's in, cost in, a, in a close championship. Uh, the, the game finished 2-2 thanks to the, the late penalty that yeah. Gale won for his team. Uh, and no, those two points could be massive come the end of the... Well, it's the, so the tight season. up top, isn't it? I mean... These teams are sort of switching around every game, so and with Norwich and Leeds losing uh, losing points over the last few weeks, yeah. it's it's becoming more and more. We'll see important. how how much teeth this uh, this this panel have to charge. Yeah. The chances are he's probably going to get a two two match ban. I think that's what we said. We you? we spoke about it a few episodes ago, don't we? Though, because not not many players have been and this done this is the first it. one isn't it first one this season, oh, this uh, season Niasi yeah. was done uh, Palace player yeah, of course, was done we as well that, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it's the first one this season which I find quite interesting because I think the charge is fabulously named as well right. it's something like um, successfully, successfully deceiving yeah, the referee or something like that just, yeah. just when I saw it I was like it's, that's brilliant yeah I mean it, it's true he, he did, he does, it, it does exactly what it says on the tin he successfully lied yeah. to the official going straight between the two players. He won the penalty. Uh, and it comes back to this thing that I spoke of, I speak of week week on week, is a win-at-all-cost attitude, isn't it? I know your feelings on diving, you can't stand it. And obviously, a lot of us don't like it. But it is a win-at-all-cost There's a difference, attitude. though, for me, between diving and successfully winning a foul. So what's the difference between what Gale did and, I mean... Well, you, look, you, just, you just need to look at Hazard in a lot of his career where... Um, I know he's gone over easily at times, mm-hmm. but a lot of the time he has been fouled where he where he twists turns and and, and draws the foul. and draws the foul yeah. where the, the defender has no other choice but to make contact. Mm. That for me, absolutely fine. That's a that is skillful. So, so let's flip, let's flip this uh, to a player who's constantly accused of diving, but actually hasn't this year. And someone you watch quite often, Dan Sterling, mm-hmm. and has actually missed. Pay- like, there have been blatant. I mean, obviously, personally, I'm not a big fan of Raheem Sterling because of. <laughs> because of my bias yeah. but he's a quality footballer and this year it's, I think it's is it four or five penalties that he's been clear penalties yeah, yeah. Yeah. that he's been denied and then you see I know I know the Gale one was down in the championship but it's still a top level league so you're seeing obvious decisions go both ways yeah. um, go on I, I, I think the whole topic around diving is shrouded by this this inconsistency in refereeing mm. as well yeah. so players players and I think what you're alluding to, what Hazard yeah. does a lot, is going down soft. It's because if you don't go down soft, then very often the free kick isn't awarded or the well, penalty yeah, isn't you don't awarded. Get it, yeah. and, and often going down soft is still a foul. It looks soft, you can go, oh, well. But it's still um, a foul, yeah. Soft, but, yeah. But if, there's contact, still a foul. if there's contact there, 
then you've got that debate, haven't you? Playing it's, devil's advocate, though, if you take away that contact, is football then a non-contact sport? Well, I say this all the time, don't I? Is it turned to basketball? It can do, right? Um, the whole point about football, yeah, it's a contact sport. And, and like you said, there is a, a sheer inconsistency from referees. Um, I mean, we're going to talk in depth about referees in, uh, in a future episode, aren't we? Mm-hmm. So we can look at that more in more depth. But Danny's right. It's so infuriating when you see one dive, a player get a penalty. It's all well and good banning Gale for this for two games, but that's not going to get Forrest the two points back. Where Sterling's gone over, um, not even softly, but have been hacked down and not yeah. got a penalty. More often than not, and Danny, you'll agree, it doesn't really affect the game because usually you go on to win the game by a few goals. But mm. it can, like, that first, at nil nil. A couple of times it's happened at nil-nil. Sterling gets the penalty, City score, and they go and run up a cricket score. Yeah. It's, it's a more comfortable game. And these decisions by the referees, the ones that they're getting wrong, is the reason, like, and Danny, you said off mic, and Baz, you said earlier, um, it's why VAR is necessary. It's to help the referees. And we do we are very critical of referees. It's, it's a very tough job. But it's infuriating for fans, whether you're a City fan, whether you're a Newcastle fan or a Liverpool fan, or just a neutral who wants to watch a good game of football, it's infuriating that you see one thing given as one, like one, one infringement given as a dive, one given as a foul. It's the quality refereeing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, there isn't, there isn't a standard there at the minute. The, no. It's, yeah, every referee's playing their own game. And yeah. when you see, who was it last weekend who, Mike Dean, <laughs> Oh, the way he gave that penalty. Oh. But, uh, that's so, <laughs> that was on Sterling. That was on Sterling. He finally got one. But he obviously wanted to make a, a show of the fact that he was giving Ryan Sterling a penalty, obviously, by... I mean, obviously, listeners, you'll have seen it probably. Mike Dean, his absolute theatrical best was Spectacular. It? He was brilliant. He was almost yeah. as good is when he celebrated, was it that Spurs goal? It was, yeah. Was it yeah. Spurs when he... He had a little, ju- he had a little jump, his eye went up and he thought, oh my God, I'm a referee here. So, he, and, and that... I'm not a big fan of that, the whole theatrics behind the referee. And and Mike Dean's seen as one of the best in the league and, and he gave the penalty rightfully so. But I think the best kind of referee is one that you don't really notice. Yeah, I get that. But and I think I mentioned previously on podcast about me, you know, um, watching quite a bit of cricket. You, th- you remember Billy Bowen yeah, 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 with, yeah. his, with his hook six and stuff yeah. like that. The c- referees, I, I'm okay. If, the, if they're getting the majority of decisions right... They have a bit of flair about you. Mm. It's when they're getting it wrong. It's like it's like the Pogba thing. Yeah. When Pogba's playing well, do whatever you want to do to her. It's becomes a bit of an issue when you're not playing. When you're not well. playing well, yeah. It's similar to referees. If you're doing well, fine. Have a little bit of flair well, this, to it. And this consistency moves on. Um, moves on to the next thing that I know Danny doesn't agree with Zaha's book. Eventual sending off. Yeah. It, um, it's it was, absolutely. A right thing to no, do. No, no, Danny mind. disagrees. Yeah, so, Danny for, for anyone yeah. listening who didn't notice this uh, earlier in the week, Wilfred Zaha got a second yellow card was, yeah. for sarcastically applauding the referee. Now, before you two have at it, it this has been a thing for a while. This, I mean, it's sarcastically years. applauding the yeah. referee has been a while. Uh, it's been around a while. It's very rarely booked. It's so rarely. You see it almost on a week to week basis. Where a player, I mean, it's it's the same thing as issuing an, an imaginary card, uh, sarcastically applauding the referee, yeah. and more often than not, nine times out of ten, it's not it's 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 not cautioned. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is this has been brought to the fore because it was cautioned and it actually led to him being sent off. Now, I I think I, I'm going to sit on the fence between both of you, which will make for an interesting next bit. But I'm going to say it's I think he should have been booked for it. But, and I think the onus is on the player because I think it's stupid of the player. Now, if 
and coming back to consistency, if referees set out their stall and book everyone who does it, then there's no problem. And, yeah. But I think the problem is if some players are getting booked for it and some aren't. Yeah. That's my view on it anyway. And, and I agree with that because the standard isn't isn't really set. So you, you see it when players give away a free kick and they'll throw the ball away in anger and mm. 50% of the time it's a booking, 50% sure. of the time yeah. it's not. Yeah. You see, you even see it, and, and one that they're probably a little bit more consistent on is when someone kicks the ball away. Yeah, yeah, but there absolutely. is the occasion when... It, it doesn't happen. I think there was one in a, a Liverpool game recently. A player kicked it away, and he was already on a yellow card, and he yeah, didn't he get let a him off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's that inconsistency that means that players don't really know where they're at when it comes but to these trivial things. Different to throwing the ball away, kicking the ball away, mm. to actually doing it to the referee. I don't think so. I think it's showing petulance. I think it, no, absolutely. Because it kicking is. the ball away, throwing the ball away in anger, it's affecting the game. It's time wasting. But then clapping a referee is, I, in my mind anyway, it's too complete. Not two completely different things, that's the wrong way to say it, but it's it's two levels. So what's the difference between sarcastically clapping the referee and giving the referee abuse? Cause, uh, no difference. For, for the wrong, yeah, no, those two well, should never, be but that's, but that's never cautioned. You see, we, before we've seen Wayne Rooney doing that for 10 for years. years and he's yeah, never exactly, been sent yeah. off for it, ever. I mean, he might have got the odd booking for it. But and, and for I, me, go on. I, I would just say that the fundamental of football really is it, it is an entertainment sport. Yeah, it's there yeah, to it entertain. Is. It is now. It is and now. It, yeah. it is now. And it's it, an entertainment And, and you look at some of the, the challenges that go in that, that warrant yellow cards and how they put players in danger and, and the, the kind of the kind of pace the game's played mm-hmm. at. And, mm-hmm. and the referee's got to protect from that and they have such, yeah. such an influence on the game that I think they have to be bigger that sometimes when a player is being a little bit petulant, they have to give them the benefit of the doubt and let the game flow. And ultimately, sending someone off is... For me, one of the biggest things that can happen to to, to game, unbalance yeah, a game, yeah, yeah especially and, in the Premier League, and, and the referee yeah. has has so much influence on that that I think if we do go down this route of booking players for for these little claps and even sometimes kicking the ball away, I I, I just think it damages the game when when really what the referee should be doing is protecting the players from those yeah those I mean, flying challenges and. Yeah. and it, they're just stepping into territory where they're using their authority and power to to, yeah. to have an impact on the game when really they, they can just be a little bit bigger about it and say, well, I'll let that one slip. I agree with that to a point, but um, for, for me, I always think about kids watching the game. When they see that, what message does that give them? And, I you mean, know, we're both teachers, aren't we? Yeah. we? We've both coached, like, I mean, I say, uh, we've coached children, football yeah. teams at schools. And I would be absolutely livid with any members of my team if they were applauding yeah. referee like that. And I agree with that. You don't want that filtering down. Um, I think it's just a case of consistency. You can agree or disagree with uh, with either point, whether it's right or wrong, or if it needs to be booked, or if you need to be uh, let if it needs to be let slide. I think you have to go down one route. One route. I don't think it's the first time booking offence. Don't get me wrong. I don't think it's like first time it happens. Referee straight yellow. I don't think that at all. Which is and, and Zaha, I don't think it was a first time. But my point is more if that continues, what kind of message does I, it send? I just, I just think, for example, what you just said then just becomes so subjective, and it becomes oh, just another grey area for a yeah, referee exactly, to say, yeah. "Oh, I didn't go far enough," or at what point is is yeah. disrespect too far? Where's the line? And, and I, line? I agree, there is something around setting an example for because everything is televised now, and kids yeah. Are, yeah. are obviously watching it, and that's probably a different and perspective that I'm not really considered. In that pool of kids is is the next. But, England team, you know, well, from this country anyway, 
Do you know what I mean? That yeah. and what message do you want to give so, those still kids? Still waiting for my caller. <laughs> twenty six. You probably. I, mean, uh, I, should, I, I should have gone for a world record fee by now. I'm twenty nine, pushing thirty. So. What have we done wrong? Uh, I don't know. I don't I know. Mean, I mean, something that I'd like to see that I think helps tackle probably what we've discussed about in the last fifteen minutes or so is, and you see it in in perhaps in rugby a little bit is one. You can hear what the referees are saying. So Michael, yeah, 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 yeah. I think that would be really good. That's really good. Yeah. And actually, that would help when you could think back to setting an example for the, for the kids. The would players wouldn't want to be picked up yeah. on that using that kind of language or being like that to the referee. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and second would actually be to if they actually took part in some post match interviews to where they do make mistakes. Say, well, I've seen it now. It was a mistake. Yeah. My angle was slightly different, and I think they'd get a lot more respect from the fan base to to come out and have I, that. I completely agree with you there, Uh, and I've in the past, and you know, so I've spoken to a few referees um, about this, and I asked them the question, sent out a few questions to a few different referees, and I asked the question, do you think that referees should front up after games, whether they've had a good game or a bad game, and pretty much, to a man, they all said no, they don't think that they should, they think they do, they think their job is hard enough, as it is, and they think, they don't think that they should be made... uh, culpable in front of a national audience I, I, I think it would I, make that I job agree easier. with you I agree with you I think it that it would humanise it would make mm. them seem more human I just think from a technical point of view I think it would be too difficult because I think the referee needs to go back after the game and watch the decisions he's made so you're never going to get that interview you know like with the managers or the players straight after the game but certainly I think ref- referees should be open to talking about the performances the right and the wrongs in the right, the right environment, the right audience. I think that that would be they're almost a more untou- open way of doing. They're almost it. untouchable at the moment. They make a bad mistake, and you see them refing an equally as big game the next week in the Premier League. Rarely do you see them anymore. I mean, I'm speaking from a Premier League fan point of view. Rarely do you see them demoted anymore. There's not many, is there? Demoted down the league for a couple of weeks. They basically you see these bad decisions, and obviously as fans, it, it incenses us. These, these people are humans and they're going to make errors and which is why VAR is mm. important but I do think and I agree with Dan completely that if they came out after a game even you wouldn't want it to seem like a witch hunt you wouldn't want the journalist or the interviewer there saying right you got this 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 and, and that's what I think that's what well, I'm you, saying you think it might go that far you, you look at what they do to I always come back to the, the Jose Mourinho way of interviewing I don't know why um, but, yeah. uh, well just hear me out um <laughs> Clearly, over the last few weeks, it's been coming that that Jose Mourinho was, wasn't the man for United. But um, and I said last couple of years, we'll carry on. Well, yeah, well, fair enough. <laughs> um, but you look at the way journalists structured questions to him; they were just looking to get a rise out of him all the time, which is great for viewership, mm. but it does nothing for a for a, an informed discussion about a football match. No. Um, and I think with referees, I think they'd be the worry for me is is like you talk about the Mike Dean thing. They become then they become more of a personality and and, yeah. and people learn what winds them up, what riles them. And I think referees have got a standard to uphold, even though they don't. You just Most know there's something. You just know that the interviewer at the end of the game would question that referee yeah. in a way that would rile him up. Like you got this yeah. wrong. How could you possibly have got this wrong because you were stood there? Now in an ideal world, like me and Danny uh, kind of would like to see, they'd basically be shown a few clips and they'd say, right, yeah, I've got that wrong. I had an angle. Yeah, my mistake. But in theory, you think about it, it probably wouldn't go that way. The interview would be like, well, no. you stood there. 
How have you not seen him stamp down on him? And as well, you think, I very much <laughs> doubt footballers have shown the highlights of their game. So soon. So soon after mm. the game. It's probably the next day or maybe two yeah, days yeah. afterwards when it's settled down. If you're going to show a referee the day of his incorrect decisions, that's not going to uphold... You know, that's not that's not a mentally good area for a no, referee to be in every game he's played. It, it can be done in a much more controlled environment, even if it was... In, done by an FA, in, FA interview, you know, allocated interview for referees or released a day after on the FA website. Just refs being being more personal mm. and, and actually giving us an insight into their world because it is, Transparency, a, tough, it is a tough job. Yeah. And I think um, both Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville did a, a segment on Sky, didn't they, where yeah, they tried to do a linesman yeah. and they, they said they both gained, you know, 100% more respect yeah. than, for officials because it is a tough job. But I, I do think just making it personal will we'll stop this referee untouchable um, this aura you know, that they've yeah, got yeah, yeah. And, and, and they'll just become um, I think it'll bring them close to the fans and the fans will you know have that little bit more respect for referees yeah. if yeah. they come out and, and hold their hands up because sometimes they probably do feel like they've made a mistake and they probably would like to come out and say I got that wrong and they've just not yeah. got, got that it was, um, for me it's doing the right way then yeah. yeah the transparency that and as you say close to fans absolutely um, but for me, it has to be done because of the position they're in, in 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 a proper way. In a controlled yeah, way. Yeah, it can't be the son stood there asking questions no. and then turn it into a witch hunt. Basically, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, shall we move on um, um, and just go over some headlines really this week? Yeah, uh, that I'd some bits read. and pieces. Yeah, yeah. I'll start with um, a very short one in a one that'll surprise nobody, but. Ronaldo broke a record. Yeah, he did. Um, at Juve, he's uh, he's gone over there, hasn't he? He's done a decent job. I remember him saying he'd gone over there to challenge himself. I he kind of each other. I was, about to say, I was about to say I kind of agree with Latan to a degree. It's not that much of a challenge when you're walking into the side that has basically won Serie A for the last however many years in a row. But it is it's it's a different league. It's a different country. So it is it's a change to what he's used to, and and he is he's he's turning up there. And his uh, his absence is very much felt around Madrid, isn't it? You can see yeah. Real. I wouldn't say they've been on a decline, but they've been poor in league. They scraped past Ajax midweek when they'd expect to be a bit more comfortable. So certain players like Gareth Bale haven't stepped up to fill that Ronaldo shaped yeah. hole of this. It so. just proves. Uh, I think I mentioned last week or the week before about I just didn't rate Benzema as he's a good player. Scored midweek. He did score midweek. You're right, but I don't see him as a. I don't see him as that upper. Actually, that that, that top superstar, world class yeah. superstar. Yeah. He's he's just a he's just a good striker. I player. think Bale was the one that they hoped would replace Ronaldo, and I, and I reckon they bought him initially. Yeah. Looking towards that as the plan, and it just hasn't worked injuries, out, isn't it? I think injuries, I think he's, yeah. he's had injuries. He's still a quality footballer. You can imagine whoever if he ever came back to the Premier League, whoever he went to would be shooing for a Premier League oh, title without a doubt. Yeah. Whoever he went to, uh, a little bit of Arsenal news as well. Um, Merson um, discussing Arsenal this week and Ertzel. Um Yeah, I mean, you can discuss his name all the time. Yeah, it seems to be a bit of a weird one for Arsenal. They've got a 350 grand a week player um, in Mesut Ozil sat on the bench. Now, it seemed to me early on in the season that uh, Emery used to bench him for the big games because he didn't, he didn't uh, trust him to do the work yeah. off the ball. And then he used to play him against the smaller sides where he could kind of unlock a defence and... I remember the game, I think it was at the Emirates against Leicester where it was absolutely incredible. Uh, but 
over the last couple of months, six weeks to eight weeks, he hasn't even been picking him in the smaller uh, no. game against smaller teams. So he's a, he's obviously not an Unai Emery type player. Emery likes to play. If you've seen Sevilla play, he's had the likes of Stephen and Zonzi in midfield for Sevilla. He likes a strong, physical, quick team. Um, who, if they lose the ball, will try and win it back quickly. Ozil's never been in that mould. Ozil's never been that style of player. Um, but then you ask, like, obviously, two City Liverpool fans, like two teams in the top four, you wouldn't get into my team. Okay, and would he get into yours? No. I feel like we've been talking about um, Ozil for years, not performing in the big games. Mm. He's, Since he's, he's come to he's Arsenal, never, hasn't he? he? He's never, ever... Certainly, as as long as I can remember, he may have had the one-off game, but he's never really took control of a big game no. where you've watched and you've watched him walk off and thought, that's an absolute world-class player. Yeah. And I think Arsenal have become a, a bit of um, almost kind of put him in a place where he's he's performed in, in the small games and you use these hyperboles, oh, he's fantastic, world-class, mm. and they've, they've painted him into to be this world-class player that, that he, I've never seen it really in the big games from him. And they've had mm. to pay him accordingly because... Well, they no, want to know that they've they've painted him out to be yeah, to be yeah, that this kind of world player. class and and, and against midfielder. against the, the the lesser side he, mm. he is capable. He and he was able to do that at Real as well, wasn't he? Because you look at the rest of La Liga, bar maybe the top four or five, yeah. it's cannon fodder for like Real Madrid. So he was yeah. able to put himself up on this pedestal, mm. get this big move to Arsenal, like Danny like Danny said, make him see, make himself. See, I mean, he's a World Cup winner, obviously, so he's he's obviously not a bad player, but. Danny's right, we have been talking about it for a while. I remember a game uh, in the year we ran you close in 13-14. We smashed Arsenal 5-1 at Anfield. And Ozil was at fault for at least three of those goals, losing the ball in midfield when it was kind of like pressing high, getting the ball off him. Coutinho, who wasn't even known for tackling, winning the ball off him a couple of times and then kind of springing a counter. A South American winning a, a ball against, against the German. German. Yeah, exactly, in the middle of the park. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost unheard of. Um, and it is... I think Arsenal, in my opinion, Arsenal would be best off getting them off the wage bill, bringing someone else in, um, a strong midfielder who they can build that midfield around. I mean, they, but they in in the January transfer window, they kind of paid them into they kind of backed themselves into a corner because it was it was announced that Ramsey was leaving, um, pretty much. Um, I mean, it's been confirmed now. Four hundred thousand pounds a week. Yeah, Özil's on three hundred fifty grand a week. So he's got two players there that. I mean, really, aren't going to be there next year. So you look at that Arsenal midfield, you think Torreira, Guendouzi maybe? Otherwise, they're going to have to have a massive overhaul in that Arsenal midfield. And he couldn't do that in January. You, you can't no, no. You can't completely no. overhaul the squad in January. So they basically back themselves into a corner. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Danny's right. I think he's been masquerading as a world-class player for quite some time no, now. I, I feel like they gave him a bit of a panic contract because it came at a time when Sanchez's contract was yeah, running down, Ozil's contract was running down. They were both, there was talks of both of them leaving for pennies. Yeah. At the same and, time and, as well. Yeah. And Sanchez made it clear that he was definitely going to go. I know there's big talks of him coming to City yeah. and that got him in the end. But Dodge I feel, bullet, I feel yeah. like, well, absolutely. I feel like <laughs> they panicked and thought, well, Sanchez is going. We need yeah. to keep one of them just to yeah. just to show the squad that we're not letting all of exactly. our, our best players go. And that that's what happened. Well, that's why he's on mega books now, when he, he can't really justify it. Yeah, it's true for me to end that. But I think Real Madrid are not. You know, they've not got to where they are by selling players who are going to offer something to the squad. Exactly. The fact yeah. that Real were happy to get rid of him. We well, look at Di Maria. Arsenal initially. Di Maria went to Manchester. 
did nothing. Did nothing. I mean, he's he's playing well for Peter. I mean, Dimitri was always but, a quality player. But who's not going to? Who, you know, who's going to slack in that? You know what I mean? I think a lot of players. Well, the reason Dimitri went was because they they had um, they had that BBC didn't they uh, at, the, at the height of the game Benzema, Bale, and Cristiano. Yeah. So Dimitri wasn't getting into that side. Um, Ozil was a bit of a weird one because he was still playing quite regularly for Real at the time of signing. But when Arsenal signed him, they needed a big marquee, and it kind of placated the fans for a while because he hadn't won anything for a while obviously a couple of FA Cups or an FA Cup at that time and this big signing um, was supposed to signal the start of things for Arsenal it never really worked out and if you if you hear most Arsenal fans now that they, they wouldn't be that gutted to see him go now well, they're not seeing him play he's, he's, so he's, he's, well, he's not contributing to the team even when he is playing so no. I think uh, I think I think Merson said tongue in cheek uh, that he should think of retiring if he can't get in this Arsenal side I think he needs to look at himself, really. His application, he should be... You look at the Arsenal side and it's screaming out for a player who can create behind Lacazette and Aubameyang. Yeah. Um, and in the Premier League, to create things, you've got to have a bit of steel about it. You look at some of your players, they're not shrugged... I mean, Bernardo, De Bruyne, David Silva, they're not shrugged off the ball easily. It's almost impossible to get them off the ball. Mm. So you've got to have that steel in midfield, even if you are one of these fancy creative players. Yeah. And he's not got that. And he should see that and think, right, I should make myself completely like undroppable. And he just doesn't seem to have the stomach for it for me. No, I, I think that's basically what it boils down to, yeah. doesn't it? If he had the stomach, he'd be, he's, that class, he's that class of player that he, he could make it happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's just not happening. And it's now two managers who are unsure about him and say what you want. When, when you get into that stage, it's... Yeah, I think he'll be gone. Yeah. I, think, I think Emery's... I th- the last couple of weeks have shown what an Emery thinks of him. I think yeah. Emery's, he's not an Emery player. Emery wants to build his team on likes of Guendouzi and Torreira. I think I think Ozil will be gone. Probably to China, I would have thought. He's, he seems like that kind of player. Go over there and the big bucks mm. for a year or take so. Take it easy. Take it easy. Easy yeah. life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'd take it. Yeah, same, same. <laughs> I'd go to China. But, but, <laughs> Just but in I, general. <laughs> I, I think this Arsenal side are absolutely miles away at the moment. Yeah. And it, it's quite damning on him that he can't get into Well, you see, you mm. see now United up and in, in around that Arsenal, Chelsea area. And it's like... Well, Arsenal and Chelsea, I mean, we said this in our WhatsApp group, didn't we? Arsenal and well, I said it. Arsenal and Chelsea gave uh, well United gave Arsenal and Chelsea an almost five month head start to get that top four, yeah. and the fact that United have got in there ahead of both of them shows. And we'll talk about Chelsea in depth uh, later on, as you can't really uh, not mention Chelsea. Um, but yeah, it's it's a damning diamond on both clubs and Mesut Özil that yeah. Özil can't really impact where Arsenal are at the moment. On that note of Chelsea and the reason why that <laughs> is with us today, yeah. shall we move on to the main subject of today? and talk about City in a very short while. Yeah, I think we should do. Okay, moving on to um, the main segment. Um, We're going to talk about Man City as a whole, but um, we'll start with um, quite an amazing game. Can't really miss it, can't we? We cannot miss this out. So, City 6... Chelsea nil. Danny, on to you. <laughs> what happened? Sat in the stands as that was unfolding before your eyes. It was, yeah. I think it was um, It was just a blistering start, wasn't it, really? Yeah. I mean, after 20 minutes, the game was over. It was really really after 25, it was 4-0. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think when you concede so early, and we've done this in the last few games, actually. I know we did it at Newcastle, they came fighting back. Um, we did it at Arsenal, we've done it at Chelsea. Um, when you score in that first couple of minutes 
the other team just needs to settle back, steady the ship, game keep plan. it at one 0 yeah. Yeah, 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 not not throw the game plan out the window. The game is not lost at one 0 Yeah. Um, but sometimes when you come to the Etihad, it can feel that way. And I think Chelsea's heads went down straight away before they knew it, we were two 0 up. Well, um, and the game, the game was was, was that goal by yeah. Aguero. Oh my word! And he could have got one just before. I know, that, that missed the season. Oh, that incredible! <laughs> yeah. Couldn't believe he missed that. Honestly, but the goal itself was just world class. And if you just think, you look at the list of PFA Player of the Years over the last however many years um, that Sergio has been in this country, you think, how is he not? How is he not won it? Like he's. I, we talk about Thierry Henrys and the Rude Van Nistelrooy. And Sergio Aguero will no doubt go down as one of the greatest strikers ever to grace the Premier League. So how has he not been PFA Player, uh, player of the Year? Yeah. I just I just don't get it. Because when he is fit, he scores goals. And he does, just doesn't score goals. He helps those around him. He's not just a he's not just a poacher. I mean, that showed that goal. Like, 20-odd yeah, yeah. yard curler into the, the top bin. I mean, it hurts me to say, obviously. like It hurts me to say anything positive about you at the moment. <laughs> but, I mean... Um, you just look at Sergio Aguero in particular, and he kind of embodies what City are about at the moment. That fast start, that dynamic start, yeah. uh, and just being clinical. Uh, apart from the two yard miss, yeah. I, I actually think his game has changed in the last couple of years as well since Pep arrived. Because Pep came in, and I, I don't know if you remember, but there was actually talk of him dropping Aguero. Yeah, for Jesus, yeah, for Jesus, starting to get a game and. I think the argument was that outside of his goal scoring, his all-around game, he wasn't putting that hundred percent effort in and working hard for the team. No. And I think you see that now. He yeah. he he does he he almost presses from the front. He is that first press, um, and and his game has has really changed and come along. And probably if you compare him to the Aguero of, you know, five years ago, he's probably lost a yard of pace. But I actually think he's a better player. Better player. Yeah, um, yeah. smarter. And, and, it, and it shows desire not to spend too much time looking backwards, but. Mesut Ozil doesn't change the way he plays for a new a new manager. Aguero changes the way he plays, adapts and becomes even better yeah. than he was before. So I mean, I've just looked at his uh, his stats. And it, it's actually Stat surprised man. me. Oh, exactly. <laughs> 160 goals in 229 games. So yeah. that's like one in. Well, one in three. One in yeah. That, no, it's, that, uh, that's by game as well. That, but if, if you actually look at well, it, no, one in two. One in two. Less than yeah, one in two. Less than two far, far, far less than one in two. Told you I was a strong at maths. Woeful is the word. It's yeah, absolutely abysmal. One in three. 160 <laughs> on in 220. It's not one in three. But, but I think what's even, what's even more impressive there is there's a, within that game count, there's a lot of he's had a lot of injuries, hasn't he? So yeah, there's a lot of games so where he's injuries. actually played 30 minutes, 60 minutes. And if you look at his, his um, minutes per goal ratio... He's at 106 minutes a goal. I remember you saying that to me. It's and better that's, than Moses, isn't that's it? Better better than, than Salah, yeah. That's, that's better than yeah. um, what Henri had. It's better than Kane. It's better than Shearer. It, it's the highest ever, um, as or the best ever, most efficient ever yeah. that we've seen from a goals-to-minute ratio. He is going um, to go down as probably the best It depends. If City, it depends. How long... I mean, he's been there. How's he, how long has he been with you now? Uh, he's, oh, God. Good question. I think he joined in the 11-12 season. The right, first, so the first year we, yeah. we won it. Um, so if City go on, I mean, you can't argue that they haven't been relatively dominant with him in the side. Obviously, there have been a couple of off-seasons. Um, the Leicester season, for example. <laughs> and a couple of Chelsea seasons. But, I mean, if, if City go on to dominate for the next couple of years whilst he's there, win the league this year, win the league next year, and he's at the forefront of that, you, he'll probably go down as the best. Because the likes of Van Nistelrooy and Henri and Shearer to a lesser extent, Shearer is one of the best strikers ever. Yeah. Who didn't win it, even won one Premier League title. 
You look at Van Nistelrooy, the ones that are really put up there on a pedestal, Van Nistelrooy, Cole, Thierry Henry, they all won nearly everything that they could in the game. Um, the United players in particular, league titles, European Cups. So if, he, if Aguero goes on to win a couple more league titles, a few more FA Cups, even a European Cup, mm. he won't just go down as one of the best in the league, he'll go down as one of the best strikers ever to not just play Man City, but just kind of grace yeah. these shores. It's his desire, I find. Like You watch oh, him, he's like, yeah. a, he's like a Labrador puppy. Just, he just but he, he does. Wants. He does. He does. But I think that I think that does him a slight disservice in that that makes him sound like he's running around like headless chicken. Uh, you look at where he goes. All of his movement is premeditated. Where he moves, and he's so clever. Oh, like the one, yeah. The goal against us at the Etihad, where he finds himself with the touch on the edge. You know, just to take it away from Lovren. Mm-hmm. That most players smash that into the stands first time, yeah. rather than take a touch away from, albeit a very poor centre back come at me the rest of my fan base I'll argue with you um, he takes a touch away from Lovren and then smashes it incredibly most strikers there either panic and put it into OZ or take a touch and then another touch and lay it off to someone else whereas he has the wherewithal to take the touch in the right direction and smash it in and he's mm-hmm. just such an intelligent player yeah. to go with mm. to go with that desire and that skill yeah and and he does it against against all the big sides yeah, as well. Yeah, he does. He does. His, his record, his record against Liverpool, you'll yeah, know. It's grim. It's absolutely hate grim. Aguero. I hate it. He, he, he always do you remember that? Do you remember that? Do you remember that goal he scored from almost the corner flag against Pass us? Pass Reina. Reina yeah, came out. I do remember ridiculous. that. ridiculous. I do Because everyone forgets, Stevie scored like a 30-yard volley into the bottom corner everyone's talking about. Everyone stopped talking about that because Aguero scored from the, the corner flag, yeah. So I don't particularly enjoy playing Sergio Aguero, no, I must admit. No, and now of course he's further. He, he he has been getting excellent service for years now because he's got fantastic players behind him. But he's still in a in a team of stars. He's still one of the I mean, one is. of the big names. Yeah, he, he is. is. And um and and the this the looking at the t- the title race ahead, if he was to get injured, and he d- he does have a record of injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he had surgery in summer, so this year he's been talking that he's he feels fitter. But if if that was to happen. That would be a huge, a huge loss for us because the step down and Jesus is. You know my feelings on Jesus. Like direct player, you know my feelings um, on Jesus. But but he's not he's not Sergio Aguero. No, in the end. and I think I don't think he's even like I wouldn't even say he's only a step below. Like I, I don't rate Jesus at all. Um, I've seen him play. I've, he's playing against us a few times, and I always think whenever he's been in the side instead of Aguero, I think yeah, we have got a chance today. Like because yeah. he's nowhere near. I know he's seen as this like. In back in Brazil, he's seen as this kind of like number nine extraordinaire, but he actually had the worst record of any Brazilian number nine at any World Cup at the World Cup just gone, and it baffles me. And I know he's more of like a, a centre forward than Bobby uh, Roberto Firmino, but it baffles me at how he gets ahead of Firmino in the Brazilian side. And all I can think of is that Neymar prefers playing with Jesus in that front prong three attack because I don't, I, I genuinely don't rate him. If I was, I mean, I'm not a City fan, obviously, but if it were me and Aguero got injured I'd rather play one of your attackers in that role as a false nine and, rather and, than Jesus and we've seen, we have seen Pep do that I mean the one thing I would say about Jesus is he is still he is still so young and, yeah, and yeah, one I'll thing that. I think you watch his movement and you can tell that that he is a clever player I just think at the moment what, the biggest gripe I have with him is if he does find himself in that one on one situation or he does fashion a chance then you, you never have that confidence that, that he's just going to put it away. Mm. Um, he's he's still got that that ability to to take a few chances to before he scores, and that that's worrying when you you're trying to challenge on for for the big honours. So basically, 
what you're saying is if I mean what you I mean you said if Aguero gets an injury is uh, you're in trouble. Would you say that you should be going out looking for a better alternative in summer maybe? I, I, I think the, the two positions where we need to really focus on getting replacements for our defensive midfielder, Fernandinho. Yeah, I think the step down from Fernandinho to any other defensive midfielder in the squad is huge. Yeah, definitely. Um, Gundogan, I think, does okay in midfield, but he doesn't for, do for, for me. He's not, job, if the two are on the pitch, one walks away with um, seven tackles and a yellow card, and one's you, you barely noticed yeah. him on the pitch. Yeah. The, there's a big difference between the two, and I think. Um, Aguero is is the striker one where, yeah, the striker. Um, and they're they're so difficult to find. Yeah, Sergio yeah, Aguero. Yeah. Is, well, just strikers who um, can score more than ten goals yeah. in the league are that hard yeah. to find. And 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 I'd I'd actually I'd love to if I could cherry pick I'd love to see someone like Kane come in and yeah. but I just think it'd be so expensive and. Tottenham is English, you know, oh. they don't sell players. I can't a service to Kane no, no, would yeah, be incredible. I can't and imagine City with with the with the current scrutiny on your ownership, there's no way you'll go I mean, obviously you're talking like a dream striker. Yeah. But I just can't see with the current financial scrutiny on your side at the moment, there's no way you're gonna go out and spend eighty, ninety, a hundred million on a player. I just can't yeah. see it. Because I think that would basically just be pointing the middle finger up to UEFA and saying, um, you're looking at us, go on then, look what we can do. Well, that's what PSG do, though. Yeah, well, it is, yeah. Well, but, you, yeah. but it's a real exactly. concern. So in summer, you know, you, we're, we're, we're starting to have to look at those players now and they do go for big money. Have you got no so, one coming through? Um, centre forward, I'd say. They do, they I'd, just keep selling them to <laughs> different teams. <laughs> I'd say, I'd, I'd actually say up front is one of the areas where I think we're lacking, obviously. We had Ayanacho and we sold him for twenty five million, which now looks like brilliant business. Yeah, it's literally insane, isn't it? We can't get his can he? Well, exactly. When they're putting Gray up from ahead of yeah. him, it's, it's incredible business. But, but that that just shows you how a, a young player coming through who who isn't you know a, a top level player can look fantastic in a team that creates loads of chances. Yeah. And that's my worry about Jesus as well. Is he could be he's, he he does get on the the score sheet. But is it because we're, we're creating loads of chances? I'm not sure. Whereas Aguero, you watch him and you just know he's a top bracket striker. Well, Aguero gives you that chance, doesn't he, to, to not win a game 2-0. He gives you that chance to win a game 4 or 5-0. Because even, even at that, I think, yeah, I agree. I think even at that 2-0, 3-0 stage, I mean, the Premier League title race uh, this year looks like it could even uh, go to goal difference depending on points drops. It's rare, but it could happen. And the we've, difference between the two sides, I know you have, yeah, against United. I, I mean, even as a Liverpool fan, that was a, that was an interesting final day. Um, it is, I think it could come down to goal difference. And it is, it's the kind of difference between the two, one of the differences between the two sides coming from Liverpool fan is when you see City go 2-0 up or you look at the half-time scores, you hear them come through at Anfield and you hear City 2-0 up, you think, yeah, that's going to finish 4-5-0, that or 4-5-1. Mm. Whereas us against Bournemouth last year, last week, and obviously we can mention that later on, um, we're 3-0 up against Bournemouth and we missed chance after chance after chance. We could have won that game. We'll speak, uh, obviously I mentioned Jack, our friend, predicted 3-0, didn't he? But I was saying in, in the large group, we missed at least three or four tra- guilt-edge chances to put that game at 5 or 6 nil. And it's that desire from someone like Aguero, yeah. that doesn't kind of weigh off. And I'm not saying it does in the likes of Salah and Firmino, but he's so single-minded, Aguero, that more even if they're 4-5-0 up, he'll go and score a 6th or a 7th. And I think that could it could be the difference between the two sides come the end of the season. Possibly. I let's just we're, we're talking a lot about City obviously because Danny's here today. But let's yeah. just go back to Chelsea, a team who 
are in the top four or were in the were, top four. Were, they'll be um, yeah, fifth, aren't they? Now? Yeah, mm-hmm. and just beating the mighty Malmo. Well, yeah, they but come it, back from that disgrace. It's not about that. For me, <laughs> they've had a rough few weeks. So you, you go to City and you. If you're Chelsea, you're thinking we're probably going to get beat here, but mm. let's go get beat 1 0. It was surprising um, because Chelsea are known for being usually fairly strong set up. Even if they lose, I mean, I mean, we could talk about the Bournemouth rule where they were spanked 4 uh, 0. But usually Chelsea are known for when they lose games 1 0, 2 1, 3 2. They're usually close. They don't usually concede that. And I agree with Danny that what happened was the first goal went in, and instead of doing what Newcastle did, and kind of settle, settling back down hmm. and settling behind the ball and keeping the game plan going. Like, and, and having someone like Rafa in charge is perfect for that. It's really ridiculous those... when we get relegated. <laughs> yeah. We, we beat City 2-1 two, two, and yeah, we got relegated. But ra- having Rafa as a manager for Newcastle... Big Liverpool, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, having Rafa as a manager, you know that going down 1-0 City, uh, to City in the first couple of minutes, the players will know that Rafa has that plan. Stay behind the ball and do what you were doing. It's only 1-0, carry on. And it worked out for you. Whereas under Sarri, even though everything was rosy after 10 games and all the Chelsea fans were saying, oh, he's got us playing this amazing Sarri ball within 10 games and everything's rosy. That soft underbelly. And I, yeah, you can look at Sarri. And it, it obviously showed after 2-0, 3-0, 4-0, 5-0, 6-0. 6-0. 6-0. But the players, and Danny said you saw the players' heads go down. Can it's I just talk nil. about the players? Yeah. Uh, just a couple of players, really. Yeah. I'm gonna. The first player I want to talk about of the two is Marcus Alonso because pre, prior to this, best left back in the league apparently, well, apparently, according to a lot of Chelsea fans. You can't deny. Prior to this season, I think he's looked the best defender in the league because his defending has been minimal. Because under um, Conte, to look like the best defender in the league, yeah, you have because to under Conte, and I don't think he's done a great. I think it's, no, he's not because it's proven this season. Because under Conte, he was playing a three-four-three. Yeah. So there was always a left-sided centre back yeah. behind covering, him yeah. covering. Mm. Whereas this season under Sarri, it's a four-three-three. So he's having to defend, and he can't defend. No. And he kept that, but also he now can't do as much attacking as he'd like. No. So both sides of his game, he's not got the support behind him or in front of him. You say has been yeah. nullified, and he's he's looking shocking. And it through a team like Chelsea, I mean, look at you. You know, with Robertson, you're talking eight million for Robertson, and yeah. it, I think, and I know you've had your issues, Danny, with your left back. And you've sort of made do, but I think it's so important to have fullbacks. I think fullbacks in the modern game yeah. are vital to the way people. Play. And I think look at Carl Walker this season. I don't think he's been as effective as previous season or the summer. He's, in fact, yeah, he, he's not. But if you look at the the um, Pep's first season and compare it to his second season, he openly says <coughs> it it was the confidence in his fullbacks that allowed his game to really cement yeah. itself yeah, within, yeah. across the squad because. The season before that, we had Kolarov and Zabaleta, who were both in their thirties. They didn't have that pace to get up and down the wing. They didn't. They were they were done goods. Yeah. Um, and then, granted, we got, went and spent a hundred million. Not everyone can go and do that. But you see, Kyle Walker come in. Benjamin Mendy came in. Obviously, he got injured. But yeah. even Delph, Delph there, just a bit of athleticism there. made made a, a, a significant difference mm, in definitely. the way that we could play football. Yeah. Uh, the second player I wanted to talk about was was a signing from the summer, and uh, when, I, when I was reading up about this, really interesting um, in terms of what went on at Napoli. Um, I didn't know this. I'm not, I'm yeah, not I was reading this this morning, and it, and um, 
it turned out that he was odds on. Well, he was. He was going to, to sit. Going to you, wasn't he? Yeah. But uh, I think it was a. I think Sari agreed to go to Chelsea, and I think from that, I think it was only hours afterwards that. Yeah. So I think in the leading lead up to those when Sari signed, obviously it would have started a few days before. Mm-hmm. But um, in the lead up to that, Napoli turned around to Jorginho and said to him, "Look, if you don't go to Chelsea, you'll be made to play out your contract here. You won't be going anywhere." So it's sort of like forced his hand. Interesting. Yeah. But for me, the reason he's gone to Chelsea is to be that player that is that fulcrum in midfield. Yeah, I always, I always say like, for me, like the Michael Carrick role in midfield, where the ball gets to him, it's he's got the V in front of him to see what's going on, and then he spreads he's, the pa- player. He's setting the tempo, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. And it's just not worked for him this season. It's not. It's not worked. And I think a lot to do with it is with Sarri's tactics because he, he isn't using Kante, right? No. He's expecting more in attack from Kante, which, you know, Kante is a world class player. He should be able to do bits and. Well, he can. He scored the important goal for them, got in, got involved with a couple of assists. So I think Kante is still showing that he's a world class player. I think um, I heard someone say on the radio not so long ago about Sari being the mo- and this is someone who's interviewed the man said Sari is probably the most stubborn manager he's ever come across. And you can see that at Chelsea now. He will not adapt. He's come out, he, said, he actually said in the interview, this guy, this journalist, that now he's come out and said he will never play Kante at CDM. He will never play Kante at CDM. And that stubbornness costs teams. Because Jorginho gets an injury. Or even Jorginho comes out of form. Because he's not really affecting the way Chelsea play Jorginho. You hear low, countless Chelsea fans uh, accuse him of Jordan Henderson-itis, their words, not mine, of just going sideways or backwards. And that doesn't affect the game, they say. All he has to do is try something different. Not because neg- things aren't working. Things aren't working. Yeah. And I mean, this journalist that. says that he doesn't He doesn't try anything different. He He's so confident in Sari Ball that he will... I mean, it looks like it could even cost him his job, this insistence on playing these players in these positions. But you say, you say it's not affecting Chelsea, but it, it, yeah, not negatively. But it's not doing anything for the ball. No, no, ball Jor- no what I'm saying is Jorginho going sideways and, and backwards... It's not effect. It's not really done a great deal in midfield. They've, Jorginho's got no assists. He's not really creating any chances. He's got one, and he's goal. not, and he's not really, atta- he's not really a tackler either. So even though he's got Kante, he can break up play. And actually, could have really done with Kante in that hole against you lot rather than having him further forward. Yeah. He's he's playing Jorginho there, who can be muscled off the ball, who can be bullied out of games. Mm. And once you bully, I mean, he's basically like I said earlier, he's basically a fulcrum in. Chelsea's midfield. Once you take him out of that midfield, and City did it fantastically, just overran him in midfield, Chelsea, I mean, Bournemouth did it. Chelsea, Bournemouth put four past them. And it's this stubbornness of saying, this is my player, Jorginho is my player, and he will play there. I don't care if he's playing poorly, I don't care if he's not helping us in, in whichever game, it doesn't matter who's, who we're playing against, he will play there. Whereas most managers will... Maybe switch team, switch players depending on who they're playing against. Like Klopp, Fabinho, and Gini are probably our two best midfielders at the moment, and then he'll play the third one depending on who we're playing against. I mean, you're uh, just looking on the outside, I'd say your best three are Fernandinho, David Silva, and De Bruyne. Whereas De Bruyne has not played that much this season. Yeah. I mean, I mean the through, through injury and yeah, exactly. Like, but, but, but he is have to rotate. Exactly. I mean, Gundogan's played. The yeah, exactly. Last, and last and managers rotate and they change players, whether it be due to injury or whoever they're playing with. Sari doesn't seem to have that adaptability 
adaptability yeah, yeah. adaptability, adaptability. adaptability. Yeah. That term. but he doesn't yeah. need the thing for me and, and the, no, but it goes through this stat um, in, in that he's got the best defensive midfielder in the league um, arguably arguably in Europe in, well he's won two league titles consecutively with two separate teams yeah. and he's the only constant so. but you've also and got and a world cup and a world cup yeah and you've also yeah. got one of the and it goes because he's uh, as of sort of today Jorginho's pass rate is 91% so you've got one of the best defensive midfielders one of the best passing midfielders you don't need to adapt you, 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 you've got your defensive side you've got your attacking side why is he and you, you're talking about stubbornness and it goes to prove this about Kante not being in the position because only Fulham in 2019 have conceded more than Chelsea 15 Fulham 13 for Chelsea Six of those were in one game, though. Well, ten, ten and two games. <laughs> ten, yeah, yeah, ten and two so, games. It, it, it'll be really interesting to see because obviously what, what happened to Chelsea at, at City, but then the League Cup final in a week's time. Yeah, same um, two teams. Same two teams. It'll be really interesting to see if he does adapt or if he goes for that same, um, you know, that same formation that, mm. that he played against. I think he will. I think I think he'll go for the same formation and just warn the players that if you concede early don't throw the game plan out now whether that works or not because to me from the outside it looks like a lot of the players are losing faith in the system yeah. and if you've no faith in the system and you've uh, that the manager's telling you not to throw out if you concede early it's going to go to pot you're telling you me these early. Chelsea players are losing faith in the oh that doesn't sound like them does it oh, player no, power that's... player power at Chelsea nah. no, no not at all one thing I did want to come to at the game um, is one of your players Dan in Zinchenko because I know at the start of the season there was a lot of talk about him moving to Wolves I know it was yeah. quite a big rumour um, and I was looking this morning and the Guardian rated him 8 out of 10 for the game at Chelsea yeah. um, is he going to be one that is City's future because he's still very young isn't he but, yeah, it's, or it's, is he just an Ineacho type player who's doing well in a good team yeah he's 22 now I think so So in summer we actually agreed a fee for him and the club were ready to let him go and it was the player who decided he didn't want to go to Wolves mm. so I think that was 16 million so that gives you a flavour of how the club rated him yeah, yeah that's quite a low fee in that, yeah in for a young player market, yeah. um, I, I think it, he's probably a player that's benefiting from good players around him but against the Chelsea against Chelsea he did he did play really well. He's just a good go as well. Um, one of them. Yeah, and I, I, I was saying that at the game, he's probably put himself in contention for a start in the League Cup final yeah. because of that performance. He's such a utility as well, isn't he? He can play pretty much anywhere he, on the park. He, he can, but but as soon as um, as soon as you stop getting injuries in that left back position, you're never going to play him over the left back. He's never going to break into that attacking midfield role. No. So where? Where do you really see his place in the it's, squad? It's whether he sees it. Is he happy to be part of the squad at City, winning things as a squad utility player? Or does he want to go and be a big fish in a smaller yeah. pond somewhere yeah. and not really challenging for trophies? Yeah. And and personally, I, I would love to see him um, come in at left-back, play well, and and in summer, if we got £20 million for him, I wouldn't be horrendous yeah. yeah. to see no. him go. Because you only have to look at Delph last season in that left-back role. True. And... and you know, yeah, Delph's been around for a long time. He's a world class player. Mm-hmm. Now he's a good utility player. He's got a bit of energy around him. He'll get stuck in, handy on the ball, but not. He's not that top bracket player. Yeah. And I think Zemchenko's benefiting from that same, yeah. same um, type of. Yeah. Uh, and he's play, He's training with world class players every week as well. There so is that. Yeah. He's got that. That does help. But yeah. like you say, you look at this, you look at the actual transfer, and you just think, well, yeah, that's yeah. yeah. I tell you what, shall we move on to some brief? chat about the Champions League and then move back so, yeah. into City because yeah. 
there was a the first sort of round of fixes earlier this week. Um, yeah. No real surprises. I mean, no. Were, I th- well, I think there were a couple of surprises to United fans because everyone I heard before this week, they, they were absolutely convinced with Cavani out and Neymar out and Ferrati just from injury. Well, Sunshine's not going to get the job, is he? I mean, no, it all hinged on PSG. From what I heard from a lot of United fans, whether it be on social media, on the radio, or a couple of ones that I know personally, they were convinced they were going to beat PSG because of the the injuries to the main men. Verratti, who is so important to PSG, was admittedly about sixty percent fit, so he wasn't. I mean, he started the game obviously, but he wasn't. He wasn't one hundred percent. So I, I don't think it was a great deal of surprise to many of us outside of the red, well, softly, I won't say the red part of Manchester, I'll say softly, because there are technically no red sides in Manchester. One fixture, though, that uh, wasn't surprising, but kind of um, it eye-opening, really, because Spurs finally didn't bottle it. I mean, there's a second leg. I, th- I think it was surprising. Uh, I was extremely surprised. Uh, it's from the first half as well, because Dortmund dominated that first half. Yeah. Played some really nice stuff. Should have really scored, mate. At least one. And then Spurs came out. I don't know, whatever Pochettino said to them. Um, uh, Son has been quality this season. They started to talk about him as a PFA Player of the Year candidate, which is fair if Spurs continue to challenge on all fronts. Uh, but I think it was a surprising result to go from 0-0 at half-time and, dominate, and Dortmund almost dominating the game uh, to Spurs basically almost ending the tie. Almost. Uh, yeah. 3-0... 2-0, the tie's still alive. 3-0, it's on the cliff edge. If, yeah. if I mean, it was a little bit like, I mean, we beat you 3-0 last year. I, I mentioned that quite a lot. But, uh, well, let's stop mentioning too much. <laughs> no, 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 no. But what I mean is, we beat City 3-0 at Anfield. Yeah. And I was absolutely, when Jesus scored the first goal, I was cacking it. Because obviously that's brought it to within two. So it can be, I mean, the Westfall Stadion, it's a tough place to go. We've played Dortmund there before. So I wouldn't bet against Dortmund scoring early. The tie's not over, but it's it's almost yeah. there. It's on a cliff there. I, I can probably imagine what uh, Potcher said to his team. He's probably said, I've had enough of this. United got beat yesterday. <laughs> I'm off. And I, need, I need that job. <laughs> <And> Someone, <laughs> right, this is my time. Yeah, this is, we can't let him go to United. <laughs> I, I think you look at that Tottenham side and they're, they're a bit of an enigma Tottenham. They've been hovering around that nearly challenging nearly spot great for a while so they, they're just they've always been that one player like one world class player lacking but yeah. they are a, they are a really 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 yeah. good side and and you wouldn't back against them scoring at Dortmund and if they score then suddenly Dortmund yeah, is five yeah, games yeah, over, and, yeah. and that Tottenham side would rarely concede five even against the, the best sides so yeah, I, I, I think they'll go through to the next round quite yeah. you'd be surprised yeah, yeah I'd be surprised the, arguably the biggest fixtures have come in this week yeah. um, well we'd say that wouldn't we Biggest switches this week. The big clubs are unbiased. Unbiased, the big clubs play this week. So Liverpool are at home against Bayern. Yeah, I'll be there on Tuesday night. Um, which I'm think. Well, you told me before we were on Mike. Uh, Coleman's out, yeah. which could be could be good news. I don't know how regularly he's in the starting eleven. But with your defensive wars, I've been yeah, his pace. Yeah, yeah. Van Dijk misses. Van Dijk suspended. Well, it's not just Van Dijk suspended. Gomez is still injured. Lovren's not fit. So it's likely that it's going to be Matip and it's going to be one of Matip. It's, it's likely to be Matip and Fabinho at centre-back. But is Lovren, of course, being the world's, world's best, best centre-back? Is yeah. he going to be on the side like, like Ronaldo was for Portugal? Maybe, kind of getting ready. Getting ready. He might be, you never know. Um, I think Well, we've got VVD suspended for that game. Bayern have got Muller out for both games, which is a big yeah. which is a big plus to us, especially with our defensive worries. Um, they're not playing... They're, 
the forms picked up in Bundesliga as of like they're only five points behind Dortmund having been well, they're not the team they're not the, they're an ageing side but considering they've still got Robert Lewandowski and we've got a makeshift back back two with I mean I don't know if Trent's fully fit yet I know he's been in yeah. training and really Robbo there I'd like to say I'm confident um, especially at Anfield um, and with their ageing midfield but I don't want to get ahead of myself. We need, with usually we're strongest uh, Anfield second leg, um, but playing Anfield first leg, I think what we've got to do is uh, is keep a clean sheet. I think that's the main thing. Yeah. If we go to uh, Munich, if we go to the LAMs with a clean sheet, I think we'll go through. Yeah, I think you're almost you are getting the, the wrong almost the wrong tie first. Not because I think it's better to play at home in the second leg, but with that makeshift back four, the mm. priority in the home leg in the Champions League. Is that clean sheet? It is, it's yeah. invaluable. Yeah, it is, yeah. It's invaluable, and mm. and especially in the first. Like, it's such an onus on away and, goals, and, and uh, I think I think it's going to be um, it'll be some achievement to come away with a clean sheet with like with say, the injuries yeah. and the, the suspensions that you've got at the back there, but mm. more than capable of doing it because Anfield do like to um, to step it up to, to, to step up for that, yeah. that what about how are you feeling about yours Schalke I mean we looked at the league position of Schalke before <laughs> and we kept scrolling down and down, down and down are they Schalke are they Italian I'd be really disappointed if we didn't go through against Schalke I think I think for the Champions League for, for City what we really need now is and we've only really had the one tie in the past few years where you look at it and it's a big it's a big clash yeah so um, and where we've come through um, and that was PSG a couple of years yeah, ago yeah I remember that because people were that. thinking of that as this kind of like big coming uh, yeah the coming of Man City yeah the coming we, of age yeah exactly and we, did, we got to the semi-finals we went out to Real Madrid that year but we, we've not really got any other big ties under our belt no. like that and that's why I would I would actually really like to to get a team like Real Madrid this year where they, they carry that big name, but they're probably not at their best at the no, moment. No, no. And if you can, if we can start to go through against those type of sides on a consistent basis, yeah. a statement and, almost. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I think we'll start to feel more at ease in in the competition. And you can see at the moment we're still we're still so naive and young in that competition that yeah. we're, we're, we're just we never really look like getting to to them latter stages. No, it's you the, don't know. No, I the, agree. <laughs> I completely agree. It's the interesting point you make about being naive because. Um, and just moving on to sort of what I had a look at um, before this the podcast, and in terms of what you've done in the last say six or seven years, in terms of um, and you obviously can't see us, but Stephen is holding his hand up with a zero. <laughs> uh, but seems we're not biased. So I, I thought I'd go back. I, the first season I looked at was the two thousand ten two thousand twelve season, uh, which you would have been under the management of. Mancini. 11-12 or 10-11. 11-12. Yeah, 11-12. Well, sorry, 11-12. Yeah. Yeah. When did seasons become two years? Sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting very confused. I'm a maths earlier. I just don't want to top it. But um, it was the first time in 32 years that you'd been in the Champions League. Mm, yeah. um, and it was a tough group. You had Napoli, Bayern and Villarreal in there. Um, and you're actually eliminated from the group stages incredibly on 10 points. If you'd have been in six of the other eight groups... You would have gone through with ten points. Well, it's no consolation now in twenty nineteen. But you know, you, you look like, at it. I like you mentioned that group there because it was the first time in in the European Cup mm. in the Champions League. You look at the groups that they've got now, and that's because they've built up that coefficient. You know, well, where they've been in it yeah, regularly. Over and I've actually put here about the seeded thing. But yeah. moving on to the next season, you again had a really tough group. You had Real, Dortmund, and Ajax. 
Um, I enjoyed that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. Would you, would you like to guess how many games they won? Go on. None. Well, I mean, it's a tough group. Uh, it's a very tough group. The uh, toughest group. Yeah. And it was, it Wait, was the, it was the season that Manchester got, got sacked. Got sacked. Yeah. yeah. And, and we didn't defend our title very well that, that season. No. Either, so. See, um, yeah. uh, you think City have been going for you know eight nine years now? You're gonna have a, a season in between that where you transitioning and players are moving on. Well, squad, uh, squad, uh, and you your squad has changed quite a bit. Even though you've had your Aguero's and stuff in there, you look at positions in your squad and you've had quite drastic changes yeah. up to today. I mean, funnily enough, Simon, players get old, don't they? In the space of about <laughs> nine years, yeah. <laughs> the the squads need to change. I'm a Newcastle fan. We have the same team as we had in the championship. Yeah, that's a very good point. Very good. Even point. off the first time round. Uh, anyway. The uh, 30-14 season, um, you made it through to the round of 16 mm-hmm. um, after uh, Pilsen. Was that Monaco? By, that when, oh. No, it was Barca. 2-0 right? um, away, 2-1. Yeah. Sorry, 2-0 at home, 2-1 away. Um, yeah. And that's when Barca were at. Yeah, that, the Messi yeah, and Alves yeah, scored yeah, in yeah, both, so both games. Even, even now. But, I mean, there's not, there's not <laughs> that one. There's no, there is absolutely no... no, uh, there's no yeah, I mean, I'm going to bring this up. One. It's no point talking, but it's just, as we get to present day... Um, 14-15 season, um, you didn't win any of your first four games, but then you did go through again to the uh, round of 16. Again, you um, you met Barca, and Suarez scored two at, at the Etihad, um, and Aguero scored in that, and then when you went away, Rakitic scored. But <coughs> I remember this night, because when you went away to Barca, Joe Hart, uncharacteristically in the end, had the game of his life, to the point where I remember Messi... <laughs> reading about Messi talking about how he picked that out as like the amazing thing yeah he, he, he was capable of the game, game yeah, like that quite often Joe, Joe well. gets a lot of stick now and he's not by no means he's not one of the top keepers now but you he, forget, was. he was fundamental in in the side that he's, a, he's a little bit of a figure of ridicule at the moment which yeah. I think is a little unfair but I agree with you he was when you won the title that first time, he was absolutely he, vital. Yeah. Like, absolutely and, he, vital. and he made some fantastic saves and he, he was capable of performances that, that, that saved us points and, and that's what you need and you keep some Can I go to one of those years and I can't remember which year it was when you were knocked out against Monaco. Yeah. I thought that was the we're disappointing gonna, we're one. I think that, that was the disappointing Pro- one. Probably one of the most frustrating ones and, and again, but, but that was under Pep actually, Pep's first yeah, season. Yeah. Uh, I think we won the home leg five three, and we probably thought that the tie was was over. Was, yeah, was over. And um, I think now the team now would see that tie out. I think at the time, um, Bernardo was quality, uh, wasn't he? I remember yeah. that game. Bernardo was absolutely um, amazing in the second. The that's second when Monaco were, had the the season of their life, though. And they, I think they, well, they the did players, they win the they? they won they the, won the French league. league that, yeah, that, that, that won, yeah. Um, they had Mbappe, and I think um, they they turned up that night, and we we. In, rather than um, what any good side would do is stay stay solid at the back, mm. keep a clean sheet. We went gung ho, went to try and score more goals, and we actually yeah. got picked off. Well, um, one one for we, you, Steve. Fabinho scored that night. Yeah, as well yeah. as Bakayoko, um, quality player. Not Bakayoko, Fabinho, quality player. Not Bakayoko. Not confused. AC Milan are regretting what everything they've done with that. Um, just to track back to the year before the Monaco um, was actually quite was probably one of your better years in the Champions League. You got to the semi-finals. Yeah. Uh, you got through a group a group with Juve, Sevilla, and Munchen Gladbach. Munchen Gladbach. Dynamo Kiev was no trouble for you. Three one away from home to start with. Um, Aguero obviously scoring. You got Yaya and Silva as well. Nil nil at home. 
PSG, mm-hmm. you drew away, which at that time, 2015-16, you know, still a big game, KDB yeah. and Fernandinho. Good yeah, good result. It yeah. was a good result. And I actually remember the home leg um, to go through. I think, was it De Bruyne in the home leg? It was KDB, yeah. 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 And, um, that, that was the night where we, you kind of felt, because we got to get through to the semi-finals, um, you kind of thought, right, this... This, this team be, is finally yeah. you it's know, ready. Show, it's ready. Show, showing itself. And on, you didn't disgrace yourself no. against Real. No, we, no, at we, home, which is yeah. like you said earlier, is vital. We we did so we didn't disgrace ourselves. So when you look at the results, I I, I actually remember back to it and being frustrated at how little threat we caused. Against Real, they were, were, there, they were actually yeah. two very stale games. But they didn't score. And after it, it was a Fernando on goal. Yeah. Do you remember Fernando? I don't know. Wow. <laughs> the octopus. <laughs> <laughs> that was name. Yeah, um, so it was sixteen seventeen that you yeah, hired pets. And I put here the new brand, um, you know, the new badge and everything and, and the start of, of the mm-hmm. new dynasty almost. Um Gladbach, Celtic and Barca in the group she got through. Um uh, and it was that Monaco, um the five three Aguero got two Stones, Sane. Yep. and Sterling scored uh, Falcao got two and Mbappe won in that first leg mm-hmm. and then you went away and Mbappe, Fabinho and Bakayoko and Sane scored um, what was that like under Pep what was that how did you feel when you brought this manager in and you get that 5-3 I think I think it, as we've touched on I think that was probably one of the most frustrating ones that we've yeah. had in, in the recent years because the, the hard work was done um to get five three, and they mm. were some late goals in the five three. So that the the home leg was back and forth. I think. Mm. Yeah. yeah. We, I, I can't. I can't quite remember. But I think we might have gone three two down. My memory might. Yeah. Might. Um, I can't. I, just, I, I remember watching the game. I mean, um, I remember turning it off when it looked like you you were mm. going through. When it looked certain you were going through, I remember turning it off. I think I can't remember if I went for a shower, or went for something to eat or something, and I came back, and it was full time, and and you'd been right. I was stunned. Absolutely yeah. stunned. But. Um, it was just frustrating. It was, it, we we just um, whether it's because Pep didn't believe that we had the defense to do it, or his he 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 struggles to change from his style of play that's very um, you know set on attacking football. Yeah. Um, Plus Pep we just very went particular, away. isn't he? He's very particular in the squad he wants and things. And he hadn't. It was his first season. You didn't do a real. You didn't change that squad. I mean, you've not really changed that squad since in a great deal. But he didn't have the key position players that he at times like he didn't. You think he had not got his full mainly. He hadn't got his full backs, had he? And now he's got, they're not so reliant on company either. They've got Laporta at the back, who's absolute quality. So you were saying yeah. earlier when we were um, talking off, mate. Did you have Edison at that time? Yeah. Uh, no, Edison, no, so Edison was would have been last year was his first season. Yeah. Exactly, Edison. so you didn't have Edison, didn't have the likes um, of Laporta, yeah. um, didn't have the full back. So actually, I mean, Probably the back five, which says a lot. And that was that was a pep decision as well, wasn't it? We Bravo in for 12 million. Yeah. Very quickly mm. rectified after one season. Yeah. Was that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think that's just part of the learning curve we're going yeah. through in the Champions League, and that's why I say this year it'd be, it'd be really nice to get, you know, perhaps Real Madrid now while they still carry that name, and but pro- probably not at their best. And I think we'd have a great chance to go through yeah. against Real Madrid. Give, give I think the players Bayern, a bit of a boost Bayern, as well. Bayern yeah. obviously it would be reliant on them going through against Liverpool, but which would be, you know. Would show that they'd still I wouldn't mind sitting in the next round. I wouldn't mind sitting in the next round. <laughs> well, actually, shall we talk about last year then? Which we don't, um, we don't need to look at it in great detail. No, no, we don't. Um, we just need to talk about it, that. You got through you, not really that strong a group with Feyenoord, Shakhtar, and Napoli. Um, 
you won four nil away at bars in the first leg. Lost two one at the Etihad. Yeah, I think the, the time was done. Wasn't yeah. It? yeah. Um, and then it was that Liverpool. I remember. I, remember, I, remember, I actually, I, remember. I don't watch that many Champions League games. If I'm honest, as a Newcastle fan, it mm. holds not a great deal of interest to me because it's just such a far away. I remember when the draw was done. This lad here was very confident. He was very confident in the WhatsApp group. He was almost, <laughs> well, you almost would be, because he wasn't. He wasn't just confident. He was almost predicting a City comfortable. He said, out of all the teams he could have got, Liverpool was probably the most comfortable. Yeah. But you well, look at what did they finish down on aggregate again? Was it five oh, one? Can't remember. You look at the thing is like you were talking <laughs> before, and you put the zero up of what City done. Mm. But at that point, City had proved everything they need to do. With oh, that domestically squad. definitely, and <laughs> domestically they had. I still don't think they proved anything on uh, on the continent. But but had was, your squad different. proved anything no, no, at that I, point? Well, no, what I'm saying, no, it was a club. I was saying no, yeah, yeah. But I'm talking squad. What I'm saying is they'd drawn us domestically, and obviously they were so far ahead of us in the league. I, th- I still think that there was a little bit of complacency in there, especially at the Anfield game. Um, people talk about the atmosphere, and it is, it's a massive atmosphere, but you're not telling me that some of these players haven't played in hostile atmospheres before. I think it was more to do with how the players got to the ground. Oh, yeah, clearly. Really? The bus, the bu- uh, the bus that once... Well, apparently, that brick didn't... We, there were talks of bricks being thrown, but one of the Mancunian journalists, Stu Brennan, has had to retract that because there were no bricks thrown. Obviously, they were, it's a bulletproof bus. But I mean, so much was made out of that at the first leg because of the results. If it had been, if it had been a nothing game, if or if City had come away with it, there'd have been barely anything made of it. Yeah. Um, and and actually, I think I I actually think creating an atmosphere is part of making your home ground feel like a fortress. Fortress, yeah, exactly. Especially and, on and, European and, 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 and yeah, okay, that takes two silly people to throw a bottle at a bus yeah, and break yeah. the window. But yeah. but actually, the fans being there and greeting the away side mm-hmm. like that is. Is a testament to just the support, yeah, yeah. the support, and then the size of the game as well. Because yeah. I mean, at that time, like you were pretty much running away with the league. Yeah. Um, all we had to focus on was the Champions League, and because you were running away with the league, you could focus on the Champions League as well. So yeah. that first game at Anfield was massive, and the fact yeah. that I remember the game, I was sat in the main stand because uh, our season ticket seats are given away to UEFA delegates for uh, Champions League games. Uh, I was sat there in the main stand. And I remember going 3-0 up. And after we'd scored the third goal, I just remember bricking it for the whole game, thinking if they get an away goal there, it completely changes yeah, the tie. Yeah. And, it, and it went that way. We blew them away in the first half, completely dominated them. Could have been 4-5 or five up at half-time. And then the second half was all City. Yeah. second half was all and City. And as soon as that full-time whistle went, I thought... I didn't want it again. You know, both of you know how I am when I saw that. And I didn't want to... I, I wasn't on at you after the game. I wasn't saying we're through. It's done and dusted. I, I'm not like that. The most pessimist. <laughs> no. I don't know whether you can use the word pessimist. There isn't, a, there isn't yeah, there's no word to describe. You could be 7-0 up and you're like, oh, did you just get one back here? But I would say the game at the Etihad, um, there were the... I mean, it was, it was a bit funny because we, we mocked Chelsea for this, but... Whoever was in charge of your stadium at the time uh, put the plastic flags out for you to create an atmosphere at the start. So, so that we we create we criticised Chelsea for that, but it was it was actually quite a good atmosphere, uh, especially after Jesus scored. It was rocking, mm. uh, but as soon as Mo scored that goal, it was tie over. Yeah. Uh, I know Bobby scored later on uh, to make it five one, but as soon as we and and the thing is, 
we even nearly scored. I know you had that Sane goal disallowed. Was it Sane? Yeah, when Milner, it shouldn't have been offside. Yeah. Um, I think, I think Bernardo hit the post as well. Yeah, I, well, I was right behind that and I was convinced yeah. it was going in. And, it hit and the I, I think there are little things that, that in the Champions League, he gets a knockout competition. Mm. Them little things can, you know, they play their part in it. But again, I think the, that tie was, was lost at Anfield. Yeah, and, yeah. and again, it was naivety of us. And really, we you could tell early doors, you know, passes were being misplaced players were looking around for each other to step up and I think you know that we had the atmosphere had you had know, gone to your players got, yeah, got yeah. to the players and that that again just shows that lack of maturity in that in that competition like I know you said yeah. I know you say that we've got top class players there and they've all done it but a lot of them players have been at City for you know five six seven years now and they haven't gone and won yeah. the Champions League so um, I think I think we just need to get them a few big ties under our belt, get through to the next round, and we'll start to feel a bit more. Which easy. is where your Real Madrid and or Bayern yeah, Bay 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 games yeah. come in, where you get that. You're not Bayern, and that no, would mean we're gone. No, <laughs> Bayern, no, no. <laughs> not Bayern. For me, what was incredible on that night, um, you play little, is that you got to the ground on time. What do you mean, Man United? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> After all of that, you got to the ground on time. <laughs> I pay very little attention to what that club are doing. Yeah, these days, so do so a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and then they're but, not even registering, are they? It'd, not be, even on the it, radar. it'd be really interesting if, on top of the title race this year, you did throw a Champions League tie in between the two clubs. What between top, the two Manchester clubs? That'd be interesting. That'd be interesting For that, they'd have to get through PSG, which I can't see them doing now. Mm. What, are you talking about? Uh, no, I mean, other than Liverpool. Liverpool. Yeah, Liverpool. yeah, that'd be interesting. I thought you meant. Would it have? Would it have more? I'd love United. Would it have more? It's almost a buy, isn't it? Would it have more between meaning? us and City? Would the Champions League this season, with you both challenging for the Premier League, I think it would. Would yeah, it have more bite this yeah. season, or was last season? Well, th- I think it'd give the managers a really interesting decision to make because both would want to prioritise both competitions, mm. and it it would lend itself to us because we probably got a slightly bigger squad. Yeah. But it'd be really interesting to watch how both of them navigate that, and yeah. it'd just throw another dynamic into the title yeah, race yeah. as well to say suddenly you've got two Champions League games against each other on top, how are you going to play that, that out? Yeah. Um, and and that would be, it'd just be interesting. It would, I agree. Uh, I'm not sure it'd be great for my uh, my heart. Uh, I, I don't think I'd be able to make it through another two of those games. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it would throw an interesting dynamic, which players would, excuse me, which players would get rested. I think it would depend on league games around the tie as well, whether you think, uh, no disrespect to any of the clubs in the bottom half, so say you have a Cardiff at weekend, if you're a Cardiff at weekend and City midweek from a Liverpool perspective, or if you had an Arsenal or a Spurs at midweek, I think yeah. it, it depends, like you said, you've got a slightly larger squad than us. Um, mm. Yeah, it would be interesting, but I'd, I'd, if it were me, and if we get through Bayern, I'd rather have Shalcroft if they'd knocked you out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there we go. Well, yeah, I was going to say, there we go. And, and I think on that, um, well, I don't know how to say a bombshell, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I really want this to happen because I want to come back here in a few weeks' time, a couple months' time, and, and have this discussion again because if you two yeah. play each other. I'm, uh, I'm sure there'll be plenty to talk about regardless of what happens yeah. in the Champions well, yeah. well, thank you very much for joining us, Dan. It's, right. it's been great. It's been good, hasn't it? It's, it's, been, it's been nice not to sit here and just look at your face. Uh, he's a lot really? better looking than well, I am. So I'm going to look is. at both of you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Horrible afternoon <laughs> for you, isn't it? Yeah. We would like to say uh, we've got a few more things in the pipeline, haven't we? We're uh, planning. We are planning. Uh, we're going to do a bit of a tribute to the late, great Gordon Banks, aren't we? We are. Yeah. Uh, we're going to look at go- great goalkeepers as, obviously, we lost one of the best ever 
Um, very sad news midweek. So we're going to do a bit of a tribute to him. Eighty-one this week, so though, but 80, I mean that's yeah, it is. I, when um, I heard it, I was like, is, is that a good? That's a good age. Eighty-one. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's not. I mean, well, he's it, had. He, 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 I know he had. Com- he had some. Kind of, he had some issues with. He had some health like issues. Like a, a yeah, um, but uh, it was very sad news. I mean, even when Pele comes out and says. Uh, he was got that save that Banks made against him. He Incredible. said he was happy that he made that save because like a, a great friendship grew. Mm. And all you hear this week was about the man, about how good he was as a man, and how he, um, how he, he always had time for people. So I thought it was we're going to do uh, an in-depth look at goalkeepers this week, uh, starting off at looking at Gordon Banks's career mm. and then moving on to see how goalkeeping in uh, in modern day football has changed. So keep an eye out for that as well. Are there going to be any Newcastle in, in there? I mean, I don't think Dubravka is going to get a mention, so yeah. I'll give it, I'll mention him here Shit now. Give him. <laughs> well, I mean, he did bet his best work at, at this place, at this lad's place. He's a good so. shot stuff, wasn't it? But it's interesting you talk about how it's changed and Shea Given, Shea Given probably represents goalkeeping of 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, and now, obviously, you see players like Alisson, Edison, football, football, footballing goalkeepers. Well, Shea Given's um, job was on the line, isn't it? Edison's yeah. and those are not on the line. You can think, you know, Brad Friedel you had, he was at Ilk, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, hmm. And then even look at some of the, the keepers like Van der Sar, who was fantastic at the time. Would what kind of keeper would he be now? Does he yeah. fit into the modern game? Well, um, well be really interesting. Well, if anyone if anyone wants to listen to that midweek or later on in the week, then tune in. Keep an eye out for any posts, and I'll let you know uh, when we're gonna put them live. Definitely. Uh, thank you for joining us. Yeah. Um, if your team's playing this week, uh, best of luck to them, um, and we will see you next weekend. Thank you very much. <laughs>